Good morning. Glad to see you here this morning. I'm Randy Lanthrop, senior pastor here at Church in the Valley. And I'd like to start out this morning with a question. Is there anything blocking you? Is there an obstacle blocking you from following Christ today? That's sort of a straightforward question. But in our crowd this morning, there is a range of commitment to the Lord. Only God knows. I'm not the judge of that commitment for sure. Uh, Only God knows the range of commitment. Some of us have already decided to follow Christ. We've made a commitment to him as Lord and boss. And others are actively exploring what it means to follow him. All of us are somewhere along a spectrum of commitment to him. If you've already decided to follow Christ, I want to ask you to think about the obstacles that you were facing when you first decided to follow Christ. I I certainly had obstacles. Uh, At the core, I didn't want to give God control of my life. That was a little scary to me. That was an obstacle. Um, If you're actively exploring a commitment to follow Christ... Think about the obstacles you're facing right now. What are those obstacles? What What is in your way? Now, if I invited everyone to sort of shout out their obstacles that they're facing, uh, what we'd find out is different people have different obstacles that we're facing as we encounter Jesus. There, there's a variety of obstacles. There's There's stuff that we all have that we're trying to work through. If you're act- actively exploring, you, you probably want to get past those obstacles. And if you're a Christ follower already, there are people in your life you, you'd like to help get, get over those obstacles. I'd like to encourage you. There, there's a way to get past the obstacles. God, God's shown us a way, and we're going to discover it in the passage from the Bible that we're looking at this morning. The obstacles aren't mere hurdles. They're, they're not, typically, they're, they're not just something we jump over under our own power. But they're more like a, an unclimbable wall. Now, you can't see it on this picture, but <clears throat> the, the person in that picture is behind those lines that sort of represent a fence. I don't know if you can see the person. Little tiny speck of a person. That gives you the perspective of how unclimbable the, the obstacles are if we're going to try to do it on our own. We, we need supernatural help to get over that wall. We, we cannot do it on our own. We just can't. So in this message series, what we're going to do is we're going to look at how people get past obstacles to faith in Christ And what you can do as a Christ follower to help your friends and family get get over those obstacles. We're going to look at the first few chapters of John, uh, which is one of the biographies of Jesus' life and ministry. And we'll see different profiles emerge of people who were introduced to Jesus and some of the obstacles they dealt with and how the Lord helped them get past them. The story we're going to look at today involves uh, two sets of guys, two, two pairs of guys, who have trusting friendships with one another. 
Two of them are friends, two of them are brothers. So we're going to check out what the, the passage says about that. But if you read between the lines of the story we're going to look at today, what, what you find out is trusted friends are influencers. Trusted friends tend to, tend to influence us. The more you trust someone, the more you allow them to introduce, in, to influence you. Your trusted friends have, have lightly, likely introduced or influenced you to, I'm, I'm not quite sure why I'm getting those two words messed up. Introduce and influence, they mean entirely different things. Um, but anyway, your trusted friends have likely influenced you uh, to do different things. Uh, they recommend a movie or a TV show and you watch it. Maybe it's a Netflix series and you, you decide you watch the first one and then, you know, you start binging on that series. Um, you might try a restaurant, they suggest. Now, there are certain guys, if they suggest a restaurant, I'm there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna check it out. Maybe they tell you about an amazing cleaning solution. You buy it, you try it, or ant traps that really work. I mean, you might need an ant trap right now. I've got, I've got some for you if you'd like to hear about them. Um, but, but this is how it goes. This is the way it goes. You hear about something from a trusted friend and you're, you're way likely to give it a shot. You're, you're going to try it. This brings us to the main question we want to answer in this series this morning and in the rest of the series, the weeks ahead. How do I help my family and friends get past their obstacles to following Christ? We can't make any decision for our friends and family, but we can be more like a bridge than a wall. We can be, we don't want to be an obstacle. So if we aim to build trust, we're more like a bridge. So first, first answer is don't, don't be an obstacle yourself. Build trust. Trust grows in relationships through kindness. Kindness, I was <clears throat> getting into first part of Ephesians this week, and kindness is goodness, but it's goodness with an action edge to it. So it's goodness that sees the good that could be done and actually does it. That's what it means to be good. And so kindness builds trust. We see needs, we see the good that could be done for those around us, and we do it. Consideration. Is, is another way we build trust with, with those around us. We, looking out for the interests of another, that's, that's consideration. That's really, at the heart of it, love. And being reliable builds trust. Here's what Proverbs says. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. This is how you build goodwill. Love, which the, the word is just this steadfast love, this unfailing love, where you keep showing love to the people around you, whether you get it back or not from them. So there's this steadfast love and faithfulness. That just means reliability. In the Hebrew that it was written in originally, you're just a reliable person. You, you're, you can be trusted. 
If, if someone asks you to do something, you say you'll do it, you get it done. Trusted friendships develop through love and faithfulness. This goes all across the board. In family life, between, in, in marriages, between husband and wife, uh, between parents and kids, between kids and parents, at work, in, in all of our friendships and, and relationships, in the neighborhood. If you're a Christ follower and you want to help your family and friends get motivated to follow Christ, build trust. And then goodwill follows, and out of that goodwill, they may want to walk across the bridge to check out what it means to follow Christ. If I want to be an influence for the good of the people in my life, I must be trustworthy. This is a backdrop. This is sort of like a backdrop to our story that we're looking at this morning. I'd like to get into the story from the life of Christ for today and see how this works out in real time. This trusted friend who influences other friends for the good. Uh, reading between the lines helps us see that the guys in the story are trusted friends, and, and as I said, this is a key to influence. So what we're going to see in this story is that God uses changed lives as bridges to change lives. This is the way, this is the way God works. When we let God change us, and we walk with Him, and we continue to stay connected to Him, and He He makes a difference in our lives, and he makes a person who shows love, kindness, consideration, looks out for the interests of those around us, a person who's completely reliable and trustworthy. Then we can be a bridge to help others get past their obstacles that they're dealing with in coming to faith in Christ. We see this dynamic played out. Twice in the very first chapter of John. First part of the story, we learn uh, about a guy named Andrew. Andrew, like everybody else in the part of the world that Jesus grew up in, began to hear great things about him. I mean, just, uh, uh, you know, great, great stories and the rumor was that Jesus could be, or I don't know if rumor is a great word that kind of has a negative con- connotation to it, but sort of like what was going through the grapevine among the people who were following God in that day was that Jesus could be the Messiah. He could be the Son of God. And uh, Andrew and his friends had been looking for the Messiah, the Son of God, who would come and be the Savior of the world. They'd been looking for him. And not only Andrew and his friends that we meet in the story, but Andrew's ancestors and all of the friends we meet in this story, their ancestors had been looking for centuries for the Messiah who would come. And he would he would set up a reign. Um I can't do justice in the time we have here this morning to explain how big a deal this wait for the Messiah was (laughs) and how all of their hopes were placed on this Messiah they were waiting for. 
who is going to rescue them. What the passage doesn't say that we're going to look at, what it doesn't say is that the men in the story already knew a lot about Jesus before they met him physically. You ever hear you know, a lot about somebody before you meet them? And you, hey, hey, how you doing? Oh, I've heard a lot about you. Well, these guys, they had heard a tremendous amount of Je- about Jesus before they met him. Because John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, whose role was to prepare the way for the Lord, he had told, he'd been telling them all about Jesus and how he was the fulfillment of the prophecies. So this was John's role. He'd done it well. Uh, Andrew and his brother Simon, Philip and Nathaniel, they were followers of John the Baptist. So Andrew, out of all of the facts, out of all of the things he's hearing on the grapevine, has a growing sense that Jesus might just be the Messiah. He's got this sense. And if he is, Andrew knows that he's going to fill a void of what's missing in his life. He's going to fill the void. John the Baptist encourages Andrew in the passage verses right before the one I'm going to read right now. He encourages Andrew and his friend to follow Jesus because Jesus comes up to them. He says, hey, why don't you guys follow Jesus or you guys need to follow Jesus? And they literally follow him. They start walking behind him. (laughs) And so this is what's happening in, in the passage. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Rabbi or teacher was a title of respect. It was a phrase. It was They were saying it in a way to honor him and to show respect to him. And, you know, they ask him where he's staying. And they're not just trying to find out which hotel he's in. It's, it's a courteous and respectful way to ask if they can have a dialogue with him, to ask if they can get into an interview with him and a conversation about him. And here's the answer. Come and see, he said. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him the rest of the day. So they spend the rest of the day from 4 o'clock on dialoguing with him, talking to him about who he is and digging into uh, what he has been, the things he's wanting to teach them. So... This, this phrase, come and see, it's repeated a couple times in this passage. It's an invitation to a dialogue with Jesus. That, that's what you see here. And whatever Jesus said in the dialogue, it was enough to fully persuade Andrew that he was the Messiah. And so we, we know that because look at, look at what the next passage says, 41 through 42. Uh, The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Andrew's not content just to deliver the good news to Simon, his brother, about Jesus. Hey, we found the one we've been looking for, waiting for centuries Our ancestors have been waiting for centuries. We've found him. He's not content just to deliver 
the message about Jesus, he brings Simon to Jesus. He himself says, come and see. Check it out. He's a trusted friend of his brother. You know, some brothers, not, not so much trust between them. But these brothers, there was trust. And so Simon comes to check it out. He, Andrew becomes a bridge for his brother to cross to get to know Jesus. Andrew's mentioned two other times in the Gospel of John, and in both cases, he's bringing someone to, men, to, to meet Jesus. He, he's a bringer <laughs> and a bridge. That's, that's a really good thing about Andrew. He's not the only one. The next person in the story we meet is Philip. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. <clears throat> Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip also learns about Jesus or is asked by Jesus to follow him. He already knew, I'm sure, a lot about Jesus before this. And he quickly decides to follow him when he's invited. Philip can't keep good news to himself about Jesus, so check out what he does. He finds Nathaniel. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus the son, the Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. This passage shows us why they were ready to follow Jesus so quickly. Now, this, it seems to be, it's happening pretty fast in the story, isn't it? Jesus says, follow me. John the Baptist tells Andrew and his friend to follow Jesus. They just start walking behind him. Then they get into a conversation. Then Philip comes out, you know, Jesus finds Philip and, uh, Jesus invites him to follow. Oh, sure, I'll just do. It. That sounds great. You know, I mean, it seems it seems like it's happening just like rapid fire. But this passage that we'll look at next, John one forty five, shows us why they were willing to. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, "We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph." These guys had a ton of background in the scriptures. They had a, a ton of background and understanding of what the Bible says to look for. They had a profile in mind of who this Messiah would be. And it started coming out, started going through the grapevine that Jesus is the guy. Now, Philip, uh, Nathaniel's response to Philip was somewhat skeptical. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nazareth was a sketchy backwoods town. Uh, It seems doubtful to Nathaniel that the Messiah would come from there. And his assumption is that surely someone as important as the Messiah would come from a more prominent town. Surely that's the case. Um, But the prophecies, what's interesting is, the prophecies that Philip had just referred to clearly state that he will be called a Nazarene, a guy from Nazareth. So he was born in Bethlehem but grew up in Nazareth, so he was called a Nazarene. He's a guy from Nazareth. So anyway, in spite of all that, uh, Philip responds to his friend's blunt 
honest question by saying, come and see. There it is again. This echoes Jesus' reply earlier in the story. Each of these men who became devoted followers of Christ were giving an invitation to those around them to investigate his claims for themselves. Nathaniel does just that. In an interesting dialogue that I won't take time to read, it's not very long, but um, Jesus convinces Nathaniel that he truly is who he said he is. Then Nathaniel declares, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. So there it is, he's convinced. Now, initially, Nathaniel didn't trust Jesus, but he trusted his friend. His skeptical hesitation at first is a lot like the initial response of people today when given the opportunity to come and see for themselves who Jesus is. For some, prayer and religion are just like last-ditch effort. I'll do that uh, as a last resort. When things are really horrible, really going wrong, I'm going to do that. And part of that is because our culture has put Christianity following Christ in in that box. I mean, this is what you see on movies and TV. Christian characters are portrayed as blundering, foolish, and not with the program, sort of like Ned Flanders on The Simpsons, uh, or hypocritical and difficult like Angela from The the Office. Um, Currently, culturally, people tend to ask the question, Why would I ever take Jesus seriously? Can any good come from following him? That's the question people are asking. And that leads us to two questions that we're trying to answer in this series. First of all, how do I help my friends want to explore what it means to follow Christ? Well, I build trust. We, We have to, those of us who are following Christ... We have to cut through the culture and the resistance that exists in the culture. And the way we do that is by building trust with the people around us. Love and faithfulness. Love and faithfulness. We just keep showing love, kindness, consideration, and we keep being faithful to do the things we say we'll do. And that begins to build a bridge so that people want to consider what it means to follow Christ. Now, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But if we're a genuine Christ follower, we need to just get better and better a little bit more each day in terms of following Christ. We don't necessarily, you know, sometimes it's Two steps forward, one step back. It's just, that's reality. But we need to do what we say we'll do. We, we, we need to make it right when we offend someone. Just humble ourselves and make it right. Clear it up. Get it straight with them. We, we want to show kindness when we're able. And as we grow and change, God uses changed lives as bridges to change lives. This, this is what God's doing. And so, if, 
if we're growing and changing, we become a testimony to others around us of what it means to follow Christ and how attractive that is. The second question is more personal that this answers. How do I push through the obstacles I need to overcome to trust my life to Christ? How do I personally get past those obstacles? Now, these guys in the story, they got into a dialogue with Jesus. And that, that may seem far-fetched to you. Like, wow, can I, can I get into a dialogue with Jesus? Seems like, mm, I don't know. But here it is. Seek God and ask him to show me he's real. This is, this is how you seek God. From, from the heart, seek him. If you seek him, you will find him. This is what scripture says. Seekers are finders. Seek God and ask him to show me he's real. And he will. He, he, will, he will reveal himself to you. This is the help we need to get over the wall. Because there's a separation between the physical dimension and the spiritual world. God is spirit. And scripture says those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. There's a separation between the, the physical dimension and the spiritual dimension. So what that means is God has to step in and reveal himself to us. We don't just figure it out on our own. It's a very per- personal question. The way he reveals himself to us is he, he speaks to us through the Bible, through uh, relationships with other Christians, and through our spirit. He gave us a spirit so he could talk to us in it. <laughs> His spirit speaks to us in our spirit. As we're sorting out and trying to figure out if God is real, this is how he works. He, he speaks, he's, he's sort of behind a door, behind a veil that separates the physical dimension from the spiritual dimension. So if we're going to climb the wall of faith, we need him to reveal himself to us. Ask him to. Just just ask him to. It's a very personal thing. If you're seeking him, if you want to know him, if you're trying to figure out if God is real or not, if Jesus Christ is who he said he is, ask him to speak to you. He'll speak to you through the word. He'll speak to you through your Christian friends around you. He'll, he'll speak to you in your spirit, in your heart of hearts. He will draw you forward. And whatever he says to you in your heart of hearts will always line up with Scripture. But, but that's how it works. It's not an academic pursuit. Well, I'm going to come and I'm going to study and I'm going to listen to what God says to me through the guy up front, which I guess would be me this morning. Um, I'm going to listen. I'm going to just get, I'm going to try to figure it out. That's, that's not the way it is. It's a very, very personal thing. God is a real person who can make himself known to you. And this is what you need to ask. Many exploring what it means to follow Christ haven't had a direct experience with Jesus for themselves. And this is where the hope comes from. Perhaps they've 
talked about Jesus, but didn't go much beyond that. Hope grows out of a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Ask him to reveal himself to you if you're seeking him. Ask him to show you who he is. Our church is designed to be a place where people can come and see. We want people to find out who Jesus is, to have a safe place to explore what that means. This church can be an environment where people make observations, take it all in, weigh out life experiences, and hopefully choose to follow Christ. If you're here today and you've wrestled with your own doubts and hesitations, could it be possible that God is drawing you here to this environment so that you can experience Jesus for yourself? And find the hope there is in him. Ask God to show you he's real. Wherever you're at, you're welcome to explore Christianity at your own pace. That's that's what we hope you'll do. It's our hope that by spending time here with us that you get to see more of who Jesus really is. When you look at these stories we're looking at today and the ones we're going to look at in the weeks ahead, what we see is that God uses people to connect friends and family to Jesus like bridges. This, this is what he does. Think about what it means to, to have a bridge or what bridges are designed to do. Here's a bridge Cindy and I traveled across several times in this past year. It's the Bay Bridge. Um, we came around through the Oakland side. We were trying to get to Marin County. And the Bay Bridge goes from the Oakland-San Francisco side of the San Francisco Bay to the Marin County side where Cindy's sister lived. We were helping her with some stuff, and we went across that bridge several times. Bridges do a couple of things. They allow you to travel over huge obstacles like bays, rivers, gorges, canyons, other freeways. Now, I'm not going to make it across that that bay swimming. I'm going to run out of gas pretty quickly. (laughs) But if I have a bridge, I can get there. I can drive my car across. That's good. Bridges allow you to travel to new places where you're previously restricted. God uses our trusted friendships and family relationships as a bridge for the message of Jesus to travel across. Someone may have a lot of obstacles in their life, a lot of questions, preventing them from giving Jesus serious consideration. There may be a real resistance. But if we build trust with a person, God just may use us as a bridge to help them get past the obstacles. Each of us has a unique network of relationships. Some some of our networks overlap, but many of us are the only bridge in our circles in our neighborhood, in our work, in our family, at our school. We're the only bridge for some of the people. And as a church, what that means is we can extend like many bridges in the area to connect many people to God through Jesus. This is how the good news of Jesus reaches beyond this room. We exist as a congregation so God can use us to build bridges. This is what we exist for. Our mission is to invite our neighbors to discover Christ. And 
It's interesting the way Jesus defines neighbor. It's, it's not just the person who lives next door or on your block physically, but our neighbor is the person right in front of you. So the, the people that God has put around you in your family, at your work, at your school, in your neighborhood, these, we, God wants to use us as bridges to help them consider what it means to follow him. God wants to use us to be people others can trust who invite them to explore who Jesus is. Last week, we sent out the launch team from Ridgeview Church in North Fontana, and they're, they're having a service this morning, just a moment of 14 or 15 of them. Um, I remember starting out like that. So they're launching there, but I also mentioned that we're doing a launch 2.0 at Church in the Valley. We moved here to Ontario to be a blessing to this community and the surrounding communities and to build bridges for our neighbors to discover Christ. I'd like you to consider helping out with Launch 2.0. Here are some ways you can help play a role on the team here at Church Valley. What, what we do on Sunday morning is sort of like a barn raising. That's the way I look at it. We all pitch in. We set everything up. And then we have service, we have the kids program, we take care of the nursery, and then we bring it down. So barn raising and a barn, not sure what the technical term for that is, demolition. (laughs) No, not demolition, that wouldn't be it. Tearing down doesn't exactly work either, I'm struggling here. But anyway, we set it up and we take it down and put it away nicely so we can use it the next week. That's what we do, hey. That all worked out. But anyway, we do all this. We go to all this trouble to be a bridge to our guests so that they can connect with God through Jesus Christ. This is why we do this. So that's one way you can help with Launch 2.0 at Church of Valleys, play a role on the team. A second way you can help is to pray for your neighbors who don't attend church. Now, neighbors, people in your family, friends right around you on your block, next door, people right right in your life, at work. Pray for them, those who don't know or don't attend church. And then finally you can participate by inviting our neighbors to church. As I wrap up this morning, I want to encourage you to think about a next step that you can take. Um, on the back side of the connection card, there are several Next steps, there's a couple. There's two next steps on the left-hand box, and you may want to take one of these today. My next step today is to help out with Launch 2.0 at Church of the Valley. This is an important way that we're a bridge. So you could do the things I mentioned. Play a role on the team, pray for your neighbors, invite neighbors to church. Um, Another step would be to ask God to help me over the obstacles to faith in Christ. Ask God to show you he's real. If you're seeking him, you can find him. This is the way you get past the the obstacle. You ask him. He he has to reveal himself to you. You're you're not going to just sort it out mentally. You need to hear from him personally. So ask him to speak to you. And then on the right-hand side of the connection card... 
there's a box to check under contact me about. And there's a box that says contact me about meeting up with someone to clarify what it means to commit my life to Christ. We, we'd like to help you. If you have questions, we'd like to help you get answers to those questions. We'd like to help you have the background information you need about Jesus to cross the line and give your life to him. We'd love to help with that. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for who you are, your goodness and your kindness to us, Lord. I I ask, God, as you've spoken to us this morning, that you would give us the, the strength and just the memory to keep following you, to take the step that you've laid on our heart to take, God, that we might bring honor and glory to you. I pray, Father, those who are seeking here, that you would reveal yourself to them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that they that you would help them over that wall, the obstacle to faith, that you would grow uh, them to the point where they, they can give their lives to you. And I, I just pray for all of us who are already following, I pray that you'd help us get past our own obstacles that we face every day. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.